Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to go to prayer. We're going to be at the beginning of the chapter. But Father, we just thank you for this service thus far. Thank you for your beautiful spirit. Father, thank you for your beautiful people. Father, thank you for a desire to join together to worship you. Father, we know you don't need our worship, but you desire it. Father, I'm so thankful what you did in my life and what you've done in so many lives, but I'm thankful for the expectation of what you've yet to do in somebody's life. I believe you can meet every single need here this morning. Every single need. From the smallest thing to the largest thing, Father, it just is all level playing field here at the cross. But Father, we just pray at this little bit of time that we get to preach, that we do it with an unction of the Holy Spirit. Father, with clarity, with power, with compassion, that Father, they would be drawn to you in this hour. We love you, we thank you. In your son's name we pray, and amen. Hebrews chapter 6, starting at the beginning of the chapter, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now let me say this before we continue. Now people say, what do you mean leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ? We don't want to leave the principles of God's word. No, it's not really what it means, and sometimes we see a, a, a difference between the Greek and how it was translated in the King James. More, let's just say, rather the doctrine of the first principles. Remind that as you as you as we dive into this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. I want to focus really on verse uh, one, where it says, let us go on. Better yet, let me say this, let us press on unto perfection. Better yet, let me say this, let's build on unto perfection. There's an urgency we find in these words of, of this growing, this perfection that it speaks. In fact, in the Greek, it, it is the word uh, teleios, which actually means full grown. We see in the verses in, in the end of chapter 5 of this uh, maturity of a Christian of this full growth of a Christian. Uh, we see this as, as this perfection as the writer of Hebrews is saying this. And I began to be stirred by this verse as it came to me. Uh, in Taze Valley, there's a Burger King right there by the house that we, where we live. And uh, all the other restaurants have had a facelift. And, and Burger King was just sitting there kind of, that same Burger King had been for 15 or 20 years and it had had its... Good hour, and they done come and pass. It was. It needed a facelift. It needed some work to be done. It needed a renovation. So sure enough, we we saw a construction crew out there one day, and they began to demolish a part of the building and begin to build a, a part of it back. And within just a few weeks, they miraculously and quickly. And it's not been the best weather lately, but this crew did not stop until that new building was up. Until they had a complete renovation. I say all that to say this. We moved, my family moved to Wisconsin in 1993, and my family built a house in Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, and uh, the contractors had given my family a time frame of when the house would be built, and uh, I forget how many weeks or how many months, but it didn't go according to plan. The contractors took a lot longer. In fact, we had to rent a house for about a year and a half 
uh, until they finished the house. And I remember my father would put us in that car uh, and he would drive up to the lot where the house was being built. And I loved it because uh, some of the frame was built and me and my sisters could, or my sisters run around in the frame of that or the foundation of that concrete house. But my father would sit there on the edge of that lot and go, good grief. They should be farther along by now than this. <laughs> and he'd just say it. Every week we'd get in that car, go up to the lot, and they'd have a little bit more done, or maybe they hadn't got any done. And he'd just say, for crying out loud, they should be farther along with this building than this. And that's what I want to ask you this morning. Should you be farther along than this? I look at that Burger King crew, and man, they got the job done. There was nothing stopping them from building it until it was right. Building unto perfection. And I think we need to realize that. I need to be farther along. Maybe you need to be farther along in your walk with Jesus Christ. How come you're still sitting in the same immature state as you were when you first got saved? Maybe that was five years ago. Maybe it was 15 years ago. Maybe it was 35 years ago. But for whatever reason, and I don't have the answer, but you do and God does, why you've not stepped up, why you've not stepped out, while maybe you're still dealing with those trivial sins that you were dealing with, you first got saved but look what the writers of hebrews says he says forget it let's leave the beginning principles of jesus christ when you first got saved and let us go on to perfection there's more to be done here there's more to be built if the lord would come back today would you be satisfied in how you are or where you are spiritually in your life man i asked myself that question if God would come back today, would, would, he, would I want to be where I'm at today? Or would I want to be further along than I am right now? I'm not saying get over your conversion. We never should. I'm not saying never forget the day you were saved. But it's time we grow up. It's time we mature. It's time we begin to, uh, to perfect this thing, to grow this thing. You know, many people understand in, in, in the Old Testament, Exodus, and, and how Moses liberated the people, God's people, out of Egypt. And many people know that story and how he saved the people. And in fact, in Exodus of Egypt would be more properly saying. And, and many people know that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But many people do not realize, and in fact, I didn't know there was a verse. I knew that technically and scientifically they've done the math of, of the distance between Egypt and Canaan. But Delbert had put a verse on my heart the other day as I was telling him uh, where my heart was for this message. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says this, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea between Param and Tophel and Laban, and Hezeroth and Dizahab. There, and verse 2 says this, There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord hath given him in commandment unto them. Forty years to take an eleven day trip 40 years to take an 11 day trip folks tell me that won't preach where you are spiritually where you are spiritually shouldn't we be farther along by now and to understand uh, 
wondering, literally to wonder is, um, it's defined, I put it in here, where did I say it at? It's uh, to wonder is defined to walk or move in a leisurely, casual, or aimless way. There is no reason we should be wondering in our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. No reason it should be casual. No reason it should be leisurely. No reason it should be aimless. But many don't realize that it was an 11-day trip and it took them 40 years. And what happened? If they would have went the direct path, if they would have went the closest route, if they would have been obedient to what God was trying to do and not been wondering, it says literally, I was looking through it all, the issue is, by the time the Israelites had reached Mount Nebo, right before Canaan, Miriam had already died at Kadesh, and Aaron had already died at Mount Or. So, and then we see right at the end, literally inside of it, inside of the promised land, Moses dies within a rock's throw practically. How much have we lost? How much have we lost because we've not been further in our lives? How many regrets, how many mistakes, if we would have just grown up, if we would have just been where the Lord wanted us to be and done what the Lord would have done, how much would we have not have lost? So what's the hold up? I asked my, as I began to say, that's what God said to me. He said, Brad, what's the hold up? How come you're not farther along? Because I like to preach this to you, but when I get it from the Lord, he, as Mike said this morning, it, it draws me to grow up. It draws me to dive into his word. But he says, what's the hold up? How come we aren't farther along than this? What's the delay on finishing the building? So I began to look at the th- uh, uh, my house it was, as I grew up as a child in Wisconsin. I began to look at this construction site here at Burger King in Taze Valley. And I asked myself, well, what delays finishing of a building? Number one, foundational problems foundation of problems. How many in here has ever went to look for a house? House was everything you wanted it to be. Right a number of bedrooms, right number of bedrooms, perfect porch, yard, everything. You put an offer in, you bring a home inspector in, home inspector comes to you and says, we got a problem. What's the problem? Well, everything on the house looks great, but it's what you don't see is the issue. There's problems in the foundation. And I don't know how many deals have went off the table because to fix a foundation after a house has been built is so hard to do. This is what's wrong with so many Christian lives today. This is why we are seeing men and women leave the faith. This is why we're seeing men and women of God uh, falling into sins they shouldn't be falling in because they built a building on a faulty foundation. They need a strong foundation. 1 Corinthians 3, because listen, folks, there is no foundation. You You are building in vain if you were to build on anything outside of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. Leonard Ravenhill used to say this. He says, we preach today, we preach forgiveness, we preach pardon, we preach heaven. He said, but if we preach salvation, we'd get all that. But we've went away from preaching Christ and being saved. We've went away from preaching a born-again experience. And people think they get what they need. And the fact is, they have a faulty, unfinished foundation. And they begin to build a life upon it. And it's just not good. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are, are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. 
According to the grace of God, which is given unto you as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My father owns a little machine shop up in Charleston. When he bought it, the, the place had been around since the 40s on Chesterfield Avenue in, up there in Canal City. And at one time in the 50s, it was actually a small foundry. So when he bought it, the same thing happened. We had to bring in environmental people. We had to bring in people to look at the and dig down deep into the ground to make sure the soil was not contaminated because what had been taking place in the practices of that time, when you had a foundry, you could dump wherever, you could dig wherever, you could do whatever, and it had contaminated the soil. So we had to bring in specialized people to make sure that we could keep this building up, make sure this was actually going to last, make sure it wasn't contaminated. And and this is what I love about a born-again experience. Jesus Christ comes into a life with the foundation. The ground is contaminated. It's dirty. And he does what only he can do. And he says, I've cleaned it up. I've washed it uh, white as snow. And now you can build on it. Now you can build on it. This is what's happening in the nation today. We went away from the foundation of God's word. We've went away from the foundation of family. We've went away from the foundation of salvation under uh, G- of Jesus Christ. I uh, uh, heard a preacher once say this. As the foundation of faith is being undermined and the walls of truth broken down, God is calling all his children to refocus on the essentials. To refocus on the essentials. That's why so many buildings, so many Christian lives are not farther along than they are because they have foundational problems. Number two, seasons. Back to that Wisconsin house, that's what the contractors told my parents. They said, well, it's just cold up here all the time. And we can't build a foundation until it's warmer weather and the ground is soft. So we'll have to wait till spring to dig the footers, to put the foundation, to pour the foundation. But folks, what I'm saying right now is we are no longer on the foundation. There is no excuse. That Burger King building already had a sure foundation. They were just working on the building. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter if it snowed. It didn't matter if it rained. They dressed appropriately. One day it was raining so bad they had tarped the entire area and were working under the tarp. There is no reason in your walk with Jesus Christ why you can't be growing, why you can't be maturing despite the season, despite the storm, despite what you're going through. Colossians 3 and 23 says this, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. When it's warm out, what do we do? We work outside. We work around the yard. And it's cold outside. Well, the honeydew list gets a little bit bigger on the inside. Same spiritually. There's not every day is we're going to be able to go and witness. Not every day is we're going to be able to preach outside. Not every day is we're going to do the ministry in the community. But there's no reason even on those days you can't pray. No reason on those days you can't read God's word. There is no reason we cannot be further along than we are in our building, in our walk of faith. 
I'm not sure where that building, that Burger King crew was from, but I want their number. There was no excuse for those guys. Every day they were working. I figured they had a timeline. I'm not sure if there was a contingency of if they finished early, but they worked until the job got done. And as I'm on this walk, I know the Lord's coming back for me, but I am not going to stop working until he comes back for me. But number three, so number one reason why we're not farther along Foundational problems. If you're not saved here this morning, I'm telling you, you're wondering. If you're not saved here this morning, I'm telling you, you're building a life that won't last. It won't. A sure foundation is what God's looking for, and that foundation is in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not made with bricks. It's not made with mortar. It's made by the nailed, scarred hands of God's only Son. And all we have to do is accept it and trust it, and he will lay a foundation that is sure, that no man can shake, no man can remove. But number one, foundational problems. Number two, season. Mike said it so great this morning. We get in our own pity parties. We go during the storms. We get during uh, the trials of our life, and we just throw up our hands, and we say, God, I'm just going to have to step out of this thing right now. I just can't move. I can't mature. I'm telling you, there's no reason. We can't grow for the Lord. But number three, and I believe the most common problem why our building isn't further along than it should be, and it's this, it's not a priority anymore. It's not a priority anymore. Growing in the Lord is just not in the plans. (laughs) We got what we wanted. We got our, our ticket to heaven punched. And we put it in our pocket, and we say, now I'm going to live the life that I want to lead. And it's such a shame. Such a shame. Ever been in this situation before? You wanted some renovations done on your house? You bring a contractor in. Contractor tells you this. uh, For me to pay my guys, for me to buy my supplies, I'm going to need that money up front. And out of ignorance, and because the guy had a smile on his face, and he he had a logo on his van, so surely he had to be accredited, you give him the money up front. How many times have they never showed up on day two? Or how many times did they hurry through the work? They had what they wanted. Or maybe you weren't that ignorant. Maybe you thought you've played this game before. It's not your first rodeo. And you say, I'll pay you as the work progresses. Give you a down payment. Go back in a week or two. Depending on how far you are, I'll give you another installment. But have you ever been in this situation? Everything's wrapping up pretty good. A few days left and the job will be finished. And they come and say, hey, it looks like we're on the last end of this job. We'd like that last installment right now, if you don't mind. And they leave the work. That little bit of work that you say, well, it would have been so easy to finish. So easy. Just a couple couple (laughs) T's and I's to dot. And this thing could have been perfect. But they had that last installment and their priority was somewhere else. Folks, if that's you spiritually this morning, shame on you and shame on me to say, well, he's done so much in my life and I know that he's coming back soon, but I've got what I wanted and my priority is somewhere else. I wrote this in my notes. Have you cut the Lord short like that? Said to him, give me what I need and I'll trust you. I'll do a good job. Or did he pay your debt in full and all that you're left with is a foundation with no house? Why is your Christian life not more of a priority? 
Why in our Christian life are we taking shortcuts this close to him coming back for us? This is no time to stop. Remember Demas? Remember Demas? Many people don't remember Demas. Not much is mentioned about Demas outside of a verse we know in 2 Timothy 4 and 10. But it actually says in uh, Philemon uh, 24, uh, Paul says this, that he was one of his fellow workers, fellow laborers. In in 24 it says, Marcus, uh, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. And also we see during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome, uh, it says in Colossians 4 and 14, uh, Luke, the beloved uh, physician, and Demas greet you. But we understand in 2 Timothy 4 and 10 that there's biblical evidence that Demon left the ministry, left Paul. In fact, it says in verse 10, for Demas hath forsaken me. They say in the Greek, it actually means to abandon. And this is the thing about it, that Demas abandoned Paul in his most time of need. In his most time of need, he left him. For Demas hath forsaken me, why? Having loved this present world. His priorities were somewhere else. His focus was somewhere else. Folks, I'm telling you, there's enough in this world to make Jesus Christ uh, second fiddle. There's enough in this world to say, uh, I'll get to Jesus Christ when I get to Jesus Christ. But it does not give an excuse for you to do that. He should be our number one priority. He should be our number one focus. You know, if Demas left Paul, abandoned Paul in his time of need, folks, if there ever was a time when God needed you and me, it's right now. If there ever was a time when God said, I need a Christian that is building their life the way I want them to build it, that people that can be an example for those that enter into the life, whether through your work or through your family or through whatever else avenue of your life, that they can look at you and see Jesus Christ in you. If there ever was a time, it's today. What a shame. I'm going to read one more verse, and I'm going to ask Sonny and Mike to come on up right now. Luke chapter 12. I want you to turn with me there. Shouldn't you be farther along by now? (laughs) I imagine the Holy Spirit, like my father in those khakis, cut off dress shirt, standing on there in the middle of the cold. My gosh, they should be farther along by now. Is the Holy Spirit asking you that this morning? Saying you should be farther than this by now. Man, you've been through a lot. I've brought you through a lot. Man, you've been in this church for 30 years. You've been, in, you've been saved for 20 years. You have a family that is devoted to the faith of God. And this is where you're at? Man, you should be farther along by now. But look at, look at Luke 12. I want you to start at the 42nd chapter. The Lord asked this question. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward. He's asking that question this morning. Can you give an account? Can you raise your hand and say it's me? He says, who is then that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant. 
Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Hammer in hand, nail in hand. Until the day and the hour when he comes back for us, he's looking for that servant that is keeps on building. If he comes in the middle of the winter, he's still building. If he comes at midnight, he's still building. Comes on Super Bowl Sunday, he's still building. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter where, but when he comes, he finds that servant doing. Of the truth I say unto you, verse 44, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, Ah, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the unbelievers. And look, verse 47, this is what I want to focus on. And that servant, which what? Which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will. Shall be beaten with many stripes. Man, those are harsh words. I'm not trying to water anything down. I'm just trying to take God's word for what it is. But you wrestle. You wrestle with that right there. He says he knew. He knew and he didn't prepare. He knew and he didn't do. Why? Why aren't we farther along than this by now? Is it the foundation? No reason. If you've been saved and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a sure foundation you should be able to build. Is it the seasons? I'm sorry, folks. Seasons have a purpose and a reason to grow for the Lord. And the fact, as Mike said this morning, that season should bring you farther in your walk with Jesus Christ than in the good times. But the reality is this. Let's be honest. It's just not a priority. I've got plenty of time to grow up. I've got plenty of time to perfect this thing. Writer of Hebrews says, no, let's not lay again that foundation. Let's let's go on unto perfection. I'm inviting you to that this morning. If you're not where you need to be, hey, you're just a few steps away where he wants you. This altar is open. We're going to stand. Mike's going to come get a song. He's asking the question this morning. Are you, are you not farther along than this by now? What's stopping you? No reason. I ask you to come pray this morning. I ask you to come pray and say, God, I want to step up. I want to step out. Time I put my big boy pants on. Time I grow up for you. If there ever was a time, it's right now. As we stand and as we sing.